is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This is most certainly true. Jesus is alive and death is dead. His tomb is empty and our hearts are full. His promises are fulfilled. The victory has been won. Easter brings fullness and life and joy and meaning and hope into our lives and brings them in fullest measure. Our songs of Alleluia will never end. Join us to worship our risen Lord with this Easter sermon recently delivered at Grace. Jesus tells us two parables, earthly stories with heavenly meanings, to help explain truths about the growth of God's kingdom. These words will serve also as the basis for today's sermon, the gospel according to Mark chapter 4. Jesus also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet, when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. I had a professor at the seminary who consistently made the claim and shared the claim that God is a farmer. He himself grew up on a farm in northern Wisconsin, and when every chance he got, he would refer to his old stomping grounds as God's country. For him, the idea of beauty was Flat lands, maybe some gentle rolling hills with some silos on the horizon, a red barn, and a little farmhouse. In his mind, God was a farmer. And to defend his statement, he would often remind us that when Adam and Eve needed a place to stay, what did God do? He gave them a garden. And even more convincing proof of his statement was just the magnitude of farming references that we have in Scripture. My Bible has a list of Jesus' parables. There's 40 of them. And of those 40, 17 of them are about farming or have something to do with crops or vines or grapes or workers in the field. 17 of 40, that's over 40%. Whether or not you believe that God is a farmer, it would do you well to at least take note of the fact that God talks about farming a lot. 
Today in the portion of God's word that is our gospel, we have two such parables of Jesus. Two parables, two earthly stories with heavenly meanings that Jesus presents to us to help us to understand about growth in God's kingdom. He teaches us this morning that kingdom work is a matter of faith. And he gives us the faith we need to understand that the word works and that the kingdom is growing. Have you ever experienced that frustration of a problem that you just can't find the solution for? Maybe it's losing the last 10 pounds. You've worked and worked and worked, exercised and exercised and exercised. You've tried every diet in the book. You just can't seem to shake those last 10 pounds. Maybe it's the weeds that are growing in the grass or the grass that's growing in your flower beds or both that are growing in your driveway. You've tried every concoction that you found on the internet. You, you paid big money to try to get those flowers to stay where they belong and the weeds to be dead like they deserve to be and you just can't seem to do it. It's frustrating when the car starts making a rattling noise and you don't know what it is, but it's even more frustrating when you pay a mechanic to drive around in your car to listen and he comes back after taking uh, your money, of course, and says, I heard the sound too, I don't know what that is. It can be frustrating when there's a problem and we can't find the solution. You know, kingdom work is not immune to those kinds of frustrations. You've got that friend and you've shared Jesus with her time and time and time again, but you just don't seem to be able to break through. You just don't seem to see the fruits that you're hoping to see. Elders' work can be frustrating like that, too. Whether you're formally on the elders' team here at Grace or you're just caring for the spiritual needs of those that God has placed in your life, sometimes it seems like you're saying the same things to the, the same people and getting the same apathetic responses in return. Our church works hard to make inroads into the community, to try to share the gospel with as many people as we can, but we're not busting at the seams. It's not standing room only. It can be frustrating, trying and trying and trying and not ever seeing the results that we're hoping for. It can be beyond frustrating. We might even be tempted to throw up our hands and give up. And those temptations come directly from the evil one. He wants nothing more than for you to grow frustrated and give up on proclaiming the gospel. He wants nothing more than for you to stand on the sideline and let others do kingdom work or maybe let no one do kingdom work. Really, those faults and, and failures, they all stem from the same problem, the problem that Jesus addresses in the first parable that he teaches us today. The word works. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. It's a miracle. A miracle that 
Preaching the gospel creates faith in someone's heart. We don't know how that happens. We don't know how that works, but we know that it does. God attaches that promise to that proclamation of the gospel. God in his word tells us exactly how the Holy Spirit works. Without our help, without our assistance, guidance, or suggestions, the word just works. We don't cause faith to grow. We don't convince someone to believe in the things we're saying or that the statements that we're making are true. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Yet that doesn't mean that we have no role in kingdom work. God calls on us to scatter the seed. He fills our hands with the seed of his gospel and then tells us to scatter those seeds in as many places as we can to impact as many lives as possible. In fact, you could look at it this way. God gives us the easy part. We can just indiscriminately proclaim Jesus. We can just make Jesus a part of our everyday lives. We can have his name on our tongues. It's the Holy Spirit who does the hard work. The Holy Spirit who causes that gospel to plant into someone's heart. The Holy Spirit who uses the gospel to create faith. It's the Holy Spirit who changes lives. He does the hard work. We do the easy part. Yet, aren't there times that even though it's just the easy part that is left for us, aren't there times that we fail to do even the easy thing? We predetermine in our own minds who's going to listen to the words we speak and who will not. And so we miss out on planting the seed to many many people in our lives. We decide before it even happens who is going to react favorably to our spreading of the gospel and who won't. And we dare not risk a relationship. But isn't that really just denying the truth that Jesus teaches? When we decide who should get the gospel and who shouldn't, when we decide where to scatter the seed and where not to, aren't we really telling God that the word doesn't work? That it doesn't work as well as he promises? That the Holy Spirit can't do incredible things in incredible ways? It was the gospel that changed the heart of a murderer named Paul. Would you consider it incredible what God did through the Apostle Paul? It was the gospel that sent a reluctant prophet named Jonah to an enemy city called Nineveh. The gospel took him, reluctant though he was, where he needed to be, and then the gospel that Jonah proclaimed meant a world of difference for thousands, thousands of God's enemies who became believers through the scattering of the seed from the prophet Jonah. Word works. Foreign kings and enemies of our God have had their lives changed by the power of the gospel. It even worked on me. Works on hearts like yours. Word works. So we should scatter it in, in the lives 
that God has put us in. We should scatter it to those who are, who are in our lives. We should do the easy part and let the Holy Spirit take care of the rest. He promises to be with us. He promises never to forsake us. He promises us that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. The Word of God is more powerful than our rejection. It's more powerful than our frail humanity with its excuses and laziness and fear. In fact, for the times that we fail to speak, the times that we'd rather keep that seed in our hands or lay it back down on the table, that's the time. The times that we've refused to speak, those are the times that God speaks the loudest. God's gospel speaks the loudest to us. We have forgiveness for our failures. We have remission for our rejection. We have salvation in place of sin. Think about what Jesus did for you. He did more than just take on human flesh. He took our pain. He did more than just face our temptations. He bore our punishment. He did more than just live his life for us. He gave his life for us. He laid it down so that we could live. Jesus was willing to face death so that life could be ours. Jesus was willing to be wounded so that we could be whole. Jesus was willing to be rejected so that we could be accepted by a heavenly father and adopted into his family forever. Jesus was willing to suffer hell so that heaven could be our eternal future and the blessed reality that is ours in Christ. Jesus faced death so that when our time comes, we need not fear. We need not fear the end, but rather we know the beginning. We know that death is but a beginning. A beginning of everlasting life at Jesus' side for those that he has called and gathered to him. The second parable that Jesus tells us this morning looks at the kingdom of God again, but from a slightly different perspective. The parable of the growing seed, the first parable, tells us how the gospel works even when we're unaware, even when we don't quite quantify or even understand how it works. The second parable, the parable of the mustard seed, reminds us of something quite different. Not an internal growth, but external growth. Growth that we can see. Growth that we can marvel at. Kingdom work is a matter of faith and God gives us the faith we need to understand that the kingdom is growing. How would you respond to the statement the church is growing? How would you respond to the statement our church is growing. Some people might have a moment of pause with a statement like that. Some people might even flat out deny that statement to be true. And if you look at statistics, if numbers are what you're looking at, they 
could make a point. In the last 25 years, our Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod has lost 56,000 members. Our membership number has declined by 56,000 in 25 years. And it's not just our church. Other Christian churches are experiencing the same, if not worse, trends. Is the church growing? Under God's blessing, and according to his will, the church is growing. Our world missions are thriving. God has blessed us to have a presence in 40 Four zero foreign countries with opportunities knocking to be in 17 more. God has blessed our church body to fully fund 39 full-time world missionaries. And those world missionaries and the teams that they've assembled are training over 400 national pastors. We have 380 students training in seminaries in our world mission fields. And that's not even counting the immeasurables. The immeasurables like the number of people that are reached through the gospel in live streams like the one our church is blessed to produce. Or TV broadcasts where the name of Jesus is proclaimed over the airwaves. That's not counting immeasurables like the tens of thousands of people who receive the message of Jesus in their own language through our Wells multi-language publications. They translate the Bible and spiritual resources into 56 different languages. The bottom line, gospel ministry is alive and well in our church body. It was 10 years ago, a pastor of the Hmong Fellowship Church in Vietnam was looking for some help. Had some questions and reached out to one of our Wells Hmong missionaries here in America. That question, quickly within the year, turned into a face-to-face visit. And that face-to-face visit turned into more and more contacts. And it turned into every single pastor in that entire church body receiving training and instruction and encouragement from our Hmong pastors. During the period of time where they were receiving instruction and encouragement from men that were trained by our church body, their church grew. Their church grew from 50,000 people to 120,000 people. Growth so profound and so dramatic that even the communist government of Vietnam took notice. What is causing this growth? What is causing this morale to be increased? We want more of that, those communist leaders said. When they found out it was our church body and our efforts uh, as we walked together in faith, they invited us to build a seminary in Hanoi. And by God's grace, people like you reached into their wallets and gave thanks gifts to the Lord and fully funded the entire building of that seminary and the first two years of its operation. Future generations of Hmong pastors are going to learn the truth of the gospel at that seminary and they're going to go into their country land and share it 
God dropped a church body into our laps. The best of plans didn't do that. All of our efforts and and working didn't do that, but God did because the gospel works. Gospel ministry is alive and well. And God has promised, and it makes good on his promise every day, that our labors in the Lord are not in vain. Kingdom growth is about so much more than just numbers. God is not in the sky tallying membership lists in and membership lists out. God is not concerned with balancing the statistical reports so that the number of members who leave is outweighed by the number of members who come in. What God is concerned about is the Great Commission. What God is concerned about is that people hear the gospel. And in order for people to hear the gospel, people have to share the gospel. What God is concerned about is that people whose lives have been changed by Jesus and his love will tell the world, the world in which he's placed them, the the, the sphere of influence that he's blessed them with. God puts that seed into our hands and calls on us to scatter the seed to go and make disciples of all nations. The kingdom is growing. And God is blessing our efforts to that end. It's an interesting comparison that Jesus makes when he says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Do you remember what the disciples' response to the kingdom of God was? Do you remember what was in their minds as Jesus was teaching them? What was their idea of the kingdom of God? They were looking for political power. They were looking for earthly freedom. They were looking for the freedom from the oppressive Roman Empire. They were looking for the borders of Israel to be expanded. They were looking for a powerful king like David to sit on the throne and to put them back on the world stage. And what they got is Jesus, a backwoods prophet. It must have seemed like a mustard seed. What they got was a group of fair-weather followers who quit believing as soon as, the parable, as soon as the miracles went away. The royal court in the kingdom of God, a couple of fishermen and a tax collector thrown in there for good measure. The king had a reign of three years and then he died. It must have seemed like a mustard seed. But God knew what he was doing. God knew how to make the kingdom grow. God knew how to keep his promises. God knew how to save his people. God knew how to share his love. Within days of Jesus' ascension, we hear on on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were baptized and many more came face to face with the gospel that day for the very first time. In the days and weeks that followed, thousands upon thousands upon thousands were baptized and the church began to grow. Within 300 years, Christianity went from 
a persecuted and scorned cult to the national religion of the greatest empire in the world, the Roman Empire. 2,000 years later, the gospel has been proclaimed by missionaries on every continent. God has answered and is answering daily his people's pleas, your kingdom come. And he doesn't show any signs of stopping. Our self-driven world convinces us to believe that what we see must be reality. He convinces, convinces us, the evil one convinces us to be downhearted, pessimistic about what's going on in God's kingdom. But the truth is so much brighter. The word works, and the kingdom is growing. God's kingdom is like a seed. It works even when we don't understand it, and even when we don't know it, we are the humble farmers who get up and see the results of God's work and rejoice in the small part that he's given us to play. The kingdom is like a mustard seed. It looks kind of small sometimes, but it grows into a great and, and glorious plant. Kingdom work is a matter of faith. Faith that God gives us, planted and strengthened in our hearts. It's a matter of faith that is created as the gospel seeds are scattered and grow, as the Holy Spirit does his thing and makes disciples of all nations. Let it always be our prayer that God use us, that God use us and give us a part to play, a small part to play, but a part nonetheless that we might be involved in exciting gospel ministry, that through us and through our humble service to him, that the kingdom will continue to grow. Amen. Please stand. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace, or to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, visit www.gracedowntown.org. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.